Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Brain Care Podcast. On this beautiful Friday morning, I'm bringing you a productivity and focus special. And who else to do it with other than Chris Bailey, who has been described by Ted as possibly the most productive man you'd ever hope to meet. Now, we recently had Nir Ayal on for Becoming Indistractable, so we're super excited to have you on as well, Chris. This Canadian productivity expert, international best-selling author of Hyperfocus and the Productivity Project, which has been published in 16 languages, it's worth saying, is here to teach us how to become the most productive version of ourselves. Chris, if you're so productive, I'm assuming that you edited and did all of these 16 languages yourself, right? Oh, yeah. I learned them all in a week, actually. Knew it. No, that's Knew a joke. It. The people should know that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. What do you do? Uh, I've been curious about productivity since I can remember. So there came a point when I graduated from university with a few full-time job offers, but I thought... Why not decline these, as any <laughs> any reasonable person would do, to devote a year of my life following my passion, my deepest curiosity, which at the time, and for large part it still is, productivity. And so I declined the jobs to dive into the scientific research, to talk to the experts, to dig in and separate out the advice that actually works from the stuff that does not. And the filtering that I do is how I create my books, my talks, my podcasts, every, everything that I like to do over the course of the day to hopefully help people out and help them become a bit more productive. I, I don't have some you know, cookie cutter system for accomplishing more each and every day, some five or 10 step trademarked all rights reserve solution. I like to be the guy that says, you know, let's take the advice that works for us and leave the rest. We're all wired differently. We all do different types of work. So let's experiment with as much of it as we can, keep what works, and then go on with our lives because there's more to life than productivity, but it should support us in our work and in our lives too. And like you're, it's true, you're a human guinea pig, right? So you run productivity experiments on yourself. So tell us a little bit more about that. And also, you know, how many experiments have you run to date? Oh my gosh, <laughs> there have been dozens, if not hundreds. You know, there, I, I like to break them down between experimenting with the individual tactics. So little things like little productivity rituals and rules and, and habits and tactics. Uh, I, I like to differentiate that and the experiments that I like to do, things like uh, meditating for 35 hours in a week while doing as much focused work as I could to waking up at 5.30 every single morning to gaining 10 pounds of lean muscle mass and everything in between, drinking only water for a month, living in isolation for a week, which sounded impressive at the time of the experiment, but now is anything but. Uh, and I use these experiments to serve as a vehicle for the research. And so by doing something subjective with an N of one, and so just on myself, I'll uncover 
questions that research may answer uh, that I would never have arrived at otherwise. You know, waking up at 5.30 is a, a curious example of one where, you know, I had the schedule that productivity dreams are made of. I woke up at 5.30 to meditate and go for a run and read the morning newspaper and all this stuff that people might C, traditionally as productive, but A, I hated the ritual, and B, I didn't find that it actually made me accomplish more of what I intended to do. And that's how I define productivity. We're perfectly productive when we achieve the things that we set out to do in the first place. Uh, If you intend to have a relaxing day on the beach and then you do, I think you were perfectly productive because that was your intention. But this experiment in particular, just one example, one story among Uh, hundreds and maybe thousands from these experiments. Digging into the research after hating this experiment, hate's a strong word, but I really did not like waking up so early. Uh, I I uncovered this fascinating research, especially by chronobiologists like Till Ronenberg, uh, who found that there is no difference in our socioeconomic standing based on what time we wake up at. In other words, people who crawl out of bed and, you know, you basically, like myself, you need basically need a spatula to get them out of bed at 10 a.m. Uh, those people are just as productive as the people who wake up at 4 a.m., these crazy, crazy people. Uh, and it, it, what makes the biggest difference is how deliberately we act throughout the rest of our day. And that is a theme that comes up again and again and again in terms of that filtering out the advice that actually works from the stuff that does not. Productivity centers around one thing, I think, and that is intentionality. It's deliberateness. It's how thoughtful we are with regard to how we spend our resources that we have at our our disposal to get stuff done, Uh, namely our time, our attention, our energy. And it's fun doing these experiments, and I think it leads to lessons that are anything but scientific from the actual experiments themselves, but those lessons can inform the direction of the research that I conduct to hopefully share lessons that are helpful from that journey. Let's talk about attention span. What is what is an attention span? What does that mean? It's how long we have control over our attention before we either fall victim to distraction or we're interrupted by something else. And so attention span is how long we are able to focus on one thing for. It's our cognitive capacity for focus. And there is some surprising lessons surrounding the idea of our attention span. Uh, One study conducted by Gloria Mark, an attentional researcher at Microsoft and Stanford, she found that when we're doing work in front of our computer, especially when our phone is nearby or, you know, another device like an iPad or we have email coming in, we focus on one thing for just 40 seconds before we switch to doing something else. And when we have IM open at the same time, that lowers to 35 seconds. And so we like to think we have control over our attention, but often we witness it throughout the day being attracted to different things that we don't necessarily want to engage with volitionally, but we find difficult to resist in the moment. And I find this idea to be absolutely fascinating, that this resource, this backdrop against which we all live our lives, our attention. We're always focused on something. If not, our mind is wandering, 
our attention turning over things from the past and the present and the future, we're always using our attention. So why not learn to manage it, especially when you examine the research that says that we have less control over our attention than we think we do, especially when technology is nearby. God help us. It's not our fault, by the way. You know, if you're listening to this right now and you're beating yourself up and thinking, ah, damn it, Chris, why can't you focus on anything? That will, I guess, be especially applicable to those listening named Chris. Um, But there's, there's a bias within the way that our mind is wired called the novelty bias, uh, whereby for every new and novel thing we direct our attention at, our mind rewards us with a hit of dopamine, that, that chemical that is correlated with the anticipation of pleasure. So we think something pleasurable is about to happen every time we open Twitter or every time we check our email, or every time we engage with something that isn't what we originally intended to accomplish so that we can rise to another height of stimulation. And this is the challenge with technology as we bounce around, and I'm not the first to say this, but we bounce around between essentially dopamine hits throughout the day, uh, keeping our height of stimulation quite high, which makes it difficult to come down because when we try to settle our mind, it screams. It says, uh, "No, I, 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 no, give, give me more dopamine right now." Ah, you know, I need Twitter. I need another hit. Give me, just give me some news. Just whatever. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, but we feel restless. We feel boredom. We feel discomfort. We feel all of the things that we notice when we're meditating, because that's a shortcut to destimulating our mind from all this distraction. And so it's it's quite a fascinating phenomenon the ways through which technology hooks into our mind and modifies our behavior. The Productivity Project is a book that I wrote that chronicles a year-long deep dive into the world of productivity advice. There's a lot of advice out there, and I figured somebody has to be the fella or the lady that filters through this stuff to save everybody, frankly, a bit of time (laughs) to to separate out the advice that works from what doesn't. And so that book is a a chronicalization, I think that's a word, uh, of all these experiments that I conducted, all these interviews that I conducted with the productivity greats around the world, and a lot of uh, a scientific deep dive into not only what the tactics are, but why they work. Uh, And this isn't always the case when it comes to productivity advice, but the best advice out there, we need to start with science and work backwards to how we should behave differently each and every day. Uh, We shouldn't try to come up with some system for managing the stuff on our plate and then work backwards to whatever the science happens to be. We got to start with who we are on a biological and a neurological basis and then work towards how to behave differently every day. I just want to like focus a little bit more on novelty bias. I think that's something that, uh, you know, listeners have heard a little bit about productivity on the podcast as well. We haven't really heard that term. We haven't really talked about it too much. So um, I understand you were talking about, you know, how our mind hits us with a surge of dopamine and we sort of crave distraction. But let's talk about how we can like avoid it. Like, what can we do? I I think the techniques that we can invest in Uh, can be broken down into two different categories. Uh, The things that are external to our mind and 
things that are internal to our mind. Uh, and so the external things are quite simple. You know, leaving our phone out of arm's reach. My, my phone isn't in the same room here, but all I have is an iPad if I want to uh, connect to something. And so modifying your environment, whether that is the digital environment or the physical environment surrounding you, uh, deleting the email app off of your phone, uh, changing your phone screen to grayscale so that it's less stimulating and so that the color psychology that different applications use to hijack your attention, like we were talking about earlier, is disabled. It no longer works. It's an incredible strategy for training your mind to be able to focus, but actually supporting your mind in that journey to develop your capacity to focus. Yeah, I mean, we've got so much to cover. We're going to focus on solutions on the next episode. But before we go, I want to ask you a brain care special question, which is how does brain care show up in your daily life? It shows up in the way I treat my mind. This is something that I've worked on over the years as I've noticed anxiety creeping into my life, as I've noticed how different applications make me feel. This is something I don't think we're connected enough with, with regard to our digital lives. We notice how the physical things, the analog elements of our life make us feel. The people, the food we eat, you know, things that had alcohol, caffeine, we notice how these things affect the ways that we think. But because we move faster in the digital world, we're not always connected with how the digital world influences our perceptions of reality. And that's something that I try to tune in uh, to as I look at the different feeds and speeds and everything in my life. If I notice myself getting bummed out over Twitter, I'll delete the app because life's too short. And so that, that's how that manifests itself in my life these days. I love it. Thanks so much. Chris, where can people go to find you when they're being productive and searching for you intentionally? Yeah. So a life of productivity.com is where you can find my work. Uh, links to the book are there. Both of my books are linked there. My podcast, all my articles, my email newsletter, and my books are wherever books are sold, including if you're in one of uh, the countries that has one of the translations that I learned in a week. Okay. Thank you so much, dude. We'll bring you back on the next episode. Yeah. Excited for it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and follow us at Your Heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. If you want to know more about how well you're feeding your brain, you can head to yourheights.com forward slash brain food to get your free score from one to 100 and start taking action from there. See you next time. Mm-hmm.